Hey, this is Desmond Child, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 154. My name is Brando. Thanks for hanging out again for another edition of this uh, Guns N' Roses Bar Mitzvah Party of a broadcast. Uh, coming up on just a few moments, we will be speaking with Grammy Award-winning, Oscar-nominated, Songwriter Hall of Fame, Desmond Child. Wow. Uh, just another opportunity I'm so grateful to have. We're going to see what Guns N' Roses connection he has, uh, if any. I mean, we, he's worked with so many different artists. I can't always take the... Well, I guess he would still fall under the six degrees because he has worked for Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and a lot of and Aerosmith, a lot of artists that are directly connected to GNR, but maybe not the immediate connection you may think. Uh, he's going to be on talking about his brand new live album, Desmond Child Live, and it's all the hits that you know for the past fifty years. Can you really turn on a radio and not bump into one of Desmond's songs that he, he's co-wrote? Whether it's Bon Jovi's Bad Medicine, You Give a Love a Bad Name, Aerosmith, Dude Looks Like a Lady, Alice Cooper's Poison, and even Livin' La Vida Loca <laughs> from Ricky Martin. I mean, it's amazing. He has uh, done so much in the rock world, but he's also worked with Barbara Streisand and Cher, so it, it, it's just nuts. So it's that's going to be a fun conversation. That's coming momentarily. And then after that, we will be doing another rendition of Fan Obsession. Fans. Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Dustin and Chris from another Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with this band, uh, Guns N' Radio podcast, and they, even though it's also GNR themed, it's completely different than what we do here uh, at, at the, the AFD show. They, you know, as we're kind of, I guess, uh, interview driven and perhaps we break down big topics like you know mental health things like that when it relates to guns of course or GNR but they break down the actual songs which may include breakdown i suppose so they're they're kind of brand new i'm i'm they i i asked them to be on my show after they graciously asked me to be on theirs so coming up you'll you'll see an episode of the Guns and Radio podcast where we talk about Garden uh, the Garden of Eden which is one of my favorites. So we're going to get to know the guys, Chris and Dustin, for the Fan Obsession segment. Uh, but first, as I mentioned, Desmond Child. Now, if you are a avid listener of this program, you know sometimes uh, that I do these shorter interviews that are meant for uh, morning radio. And since I happen to work for iHeartRadio and Premier Radio Networks, this podcast is kind of just a, a love child I've created uh, in addition to my actual uh, radio job. But sometimes I get to interview really cool people when they come in, and Desmond is, is one of them. So it wasn't just that I had the chance to interview him. I ran his entire two-hour-plus radio tour. 
So uh, and so obviously this part is was this intro. It was is going. I'm recording this uh, after the fact because I want to set this up. So you're you're wondering where is this like? Because you know me, I start my interviews at awkward. So I'm kind of setting up the awkward. So I've been hanging out with him uh, since like nine in the morning when he came in, and he's talking to. It might have been even close to three hours. It might have been close. It was yeah. It was over two hours though. So like nine to eleven. Let's just say for argument's sake. And, of course, I had to get there early to meet Desmond in the lobby and bring him up to the studio. And he's talking to, you know, 15, 20 stations around around uh, the United States to promote Desmond Child Live. And I'm the one connecting him to all these stations. I'm the one that's recording the audio and sending it to the radio stations later. And then after probably two hours, hour and a half, it's my turn. <laughs> so after hearing him talk promote this album for an hour and a half. I just kept thinking, I've heard him being asked every single question. So how am I going to not make this boring? It's a, it's a different, it's a unique situation to do an interview uh, with. So that's how I'm going to set it up. And what you will be hearing is the end of an interview with uh, a former guest of the show, Meltdown, who does radio, classic rock radio in Detroit. And so he interviewed Desmond Child and I'm the one who connected him to to meltdown to Detroit, and so I'm gonna just play the, the just the very end of that interview and where I pick up. Sound good? Thanks so much for the time. Well, thank you so much. Follow me at on Instagram at desmondchild.child. Desmond.child. <laughs> I'll check it out. Thanks, Desmond. Appreciate Bye. it. Thanks, meltdown. Hey, thanks, Brando. Talk to you later. All right, Desmond. Your next interview is with me. So you get to look through the glass all awkwardly. I got up to 11.5. I'm one of those followers. Am I going to earn a follow Maybe. back? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a Bell Biv Brando. You ever work with Bell Biv DeVoe? Bell Biv Ben. Bell Biv Brando. So I, you know, as you know, my name is Brandon. I've been hanging out for uh, with Desmond for two hours. Uh, so Brando is my radio name. It just sounds cooler. It's not as cool as Desmond Child. No, it's no. Your name's cooler. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I've also and had... your tattoos are cooler. I appreciate that. What I mean, do, what do you have on your my son's names? Oh, nice. Uh, Roman and Nero, N Y R O. He's named after uh, the great songwriter Laura Nero. He's he's not that happy about that. Why not? You know, he says, why'd you have to name me after a lesbian folk singer? <laughs> well, you could have called him KD or KD Lang. Or, yeah. or like Dylan, like everybody else. No. You know? <laughs> he'll, he'll grow to appreciate it, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, I've had the pleasure, not just the pleasure, and thank you for the time and all the time uh, you're, you've been giving radio stations throughout the country this morning. I've been hanging out with you for two hours uh, running this tour for you, so I've got to hear all the questions and all the wonderful stories, so I'm trying to think of what questions can I ask you so you're not bored uh, after two hours. But I'm never I'm never bored with myself. Well, you've been very appreciative of everyone and, and giving credit to everyone. Uh, so how did you, with your new live album, Desmond Child Live, with your you know 80 billboard hits, you know 500 million records worldwide sold, how did you come up with that track listing for one, those 12 songs on the album? And how did you play the song placement? Because obviously you're a producer as well. So how did you come up with, I guess, A, the track, and B, the, the flow of the album? 
Well, I mean, the the show that I, I was doing, you know, was kind of a limited, you know, amount of minutes that I that I had, and um, also because it was a small room, it wasn't really that appropriate to do songs like Poison with Alice Cooper, which I would have loved to have uh, performed. Uh, so it, it was kind of like the place and the time, and and it all kind of like uh, kind of picked the songs they they picked themselves. Is there, and I, I, I like a word that you've, or a phrase you've been using all morning, is uh, genre fluid, uh, <laughs> you've been referring to yourself as, which is, is pretty brilliant. Is there a genre that you prefer to write in? And with that, is there a subject you prefer to write about? I, I love writing stories, and um, you know, most of the songs I've written, if you follow the lyrics, there, there is a, a, a progressive story. That that's told, so you want to stay in the song to to get to you know the end of it, and so you know instead of just listening to one thing and then like a lot of songs today are are kind of written over grooves, so they sound exactly the same at the beginning, middle, and mm-hmm. end, and so um, most of the songs I've I've co-written you know written or co-written have been like not with you know loops and things like that we just like you know so that it's all starts with the lyric and then the music serves the lyric instead of the lyric serving the groove right on i like that answer uh so i actually get a lot of questions from uh, my listeners on the podcast that i want to run past you uh ryan from the uk wants to know because you just mentioned alice cooper uh any good stories or maybe a story that sticks out to you when writing uh, trash with alice well i (laughs) I just love Alice Cooper so much. And, you know, when we first got together, he explained, you know, that Alice Cooper is really, you know, his alter ego, and that he's really Vincent Fournier, and his dad was a preacher. So all of, you know, you know, he, he kind of serves humanity in a way by showing us our dark side with humor. But if he cuts the head off of a doll, then he has to go in under the guillotine. You know, because, you know, there's there's there is kind of retribution for being bad. And so um, when we wrote Trash, we went about it like we were writing a musical. So we have all of these wonderful textures and and stories that we tell throughout the record. And, um, you know, it was so wonderful that we got Joan Jett to work on it, uh, Bon Jovi. Aerosmith, all the bands that I had been working with at the time wanted to jump in because they all loved Alice Cooper. He's a former guest of the show, and he's just, uh, yeah, he is really one of the sweetest people I've ever met. Uh, Johan from Sweden wants to know, uh, ask him what Paul Stanley song that you co-wrote that you were most proud of and why. Well, of course, you know, I was made for loving you, but I'm particularly proud of a song that uh, Paul Stanley and I co-wrote with Andreas Carlson called Live to Win. Oh, yes. You know, that South Park did the yes, parody Yes, yes, that's of. what ran through my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Live to Win. <laughs> you know, I just love that song. It's such an upper. And uh, I love Andreas Carlson, and he and I are partners in producing a movie called Transcon, uh, the, the making of Lou Pearlman and the boy band revolution and uh because he had co-written you know the bye 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 and i want it that way and so we've been working on this for a long time and you know we're actually making a scripted movie you know with um sweden i i went to be a a judge on swedish idol 
Oh, really? Yeah, and there's this amazing story because one of the contestants, um, you know, I had to go and be like a mentor, and he played me this song, and it's and uh, the song uh, was called Isolated Isle, and I said, Isolated Isle? That sounds like pirate talk, like isolated isle, you know, <laughs> and this kid's eyes just got bigger and bigger, like tears in them. And then he quit the show. He was so embarrassed, you know, so then I had to go apologize. <laughs> So he'd stay in the contest. <laughs> That's too funny. So we were in the papers, you know, it was like his picture, my picture, like one of those tabloid things, you know, so I became like, like the, you know, the bad guy of, you know, Swedish idols. The so, Simon Cowell version? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So I, I, I love Sweden and I love Swedish music and uh, deep low bow. To Max Martin, who's one of the geniuses of all time, the you know the amount of music and how he has you know transformed pop music. I just absolutely love him. So obviously you've been all over the world. You worked with so many different artists, ranging from obviously rock acts, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, you go to the other end of the spectrum with Barbara Streisand and and Zed. Uh, so as I'm doing research for this interview, if you notice the name of my podcast. There's a, a GNR theme. I call it, you know, my Guns N' Roses bar mitzvah party of a broadcast, uh, six degrees of GNR bacon. So instead of just being a regular talking music, I try to find make it a little bit different. So I didn't know if there was a specific Guns N' Roses connection to you. Uh, I did find a picture of you and Slash, and you guys met at the uh, 52nd uh, Annual Grammy Awards. So I don't know if you have a GNR story or even came close to writing with him or any of the GNR guys. Well, didn't they write a song about me? What's that? Sweet Child of Mine or something like that, right? Touche. Touche. Uh, that that, that pro- was about me. Okay. <laughs> you, were here, you heard it here first. But uh, when you, do you remember meeting Slash? Do you remember like, what you guys spoke about at all? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just love him. You know, it's like he's, he's the real deal. He's uncompromising, and he's himself, and he's n- never sold out, and I just think that he's a true icon. I absolutely love him. You said something earlier, uh, and I was going to ask a qu- I am going to ask a question that based upon that. You, there was something that Barbara Streisand said to you, to take a quick left turn, uh, that's gonna, <laughs> that you want on your, your tombstone. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I wrote a song for her. I solely wrote it, which is rare for me to solely write. Um, a song, uh, f- it's called Lady Liberty, and it's on her last album, Walls. And it's one of the, my, my most proudest achievements. And I got to uh, co-produce it with her in the studio. And, uh, you know, I wanted her to, you know, like I studied her music for like months before I wrote Lady Liberty because I wanted to really understand what makes her voice sound the way it does. What are the melodic jumps that that show her off and so I set the song uh, kind of like half step higher than she's used to been singing and she was like cursing me and she was you're a taskmaster you're a slave driver I, I don't think I can do that I you can do this you can do it just do it just go for it and so at the end you know uh she heard it back and she closed her eyes and she's just like she loved it and she sang like like ah like just like an angel amazing and uh she looked at me and she said you're a pain in the ass and i commend you 
<laughs> so that's going on my tombstone. Well, if not that, because my question was, if you had, because uh, I'm sure you've been asked to, uh, so many times, perhaps maybe your, your favorite song. I don't know if you could pick it because it's like children. But if you have a lyric of yours that you would put on all these years from now on your tombstone, in your mausoleum, wherever, is there a specific lyric that you would want on your tombstone that you've written? Hmm. Wow. That's a I, that's a tough thing to to think about, but I guess. Uh, or in your so to make it not as morbid, if you had a, a yearbook come out, what would your, your yearbook quote be? Oh my God, I I I don't you know sometimes when I you know sign autographs and stuff, I I write you know like it depends on who it is, but it's either keep living on a prayer or keep living la vida loca or both. Okay. <laughs> that would be something on a tombstone with a Levita Loca. <laughs> right. Desmond, well, I know we're hanging out for a little bit because you have one more interview to do uh, after mine, but I can't thank you enough for giving me uh, my 10 minutes. Again, I hope you follow me back on Instagram. Thank you so much. So, this may be the first time we haven't had a direct connection, I guess, per se, between guests. Uh, the six degrees of GNR bacon. I mean, Desmond Child. I don't know how I didn't get the, uh, how I didn't think of the joke beforehand. Sweet child of mine. I mean, fucking duh, but that doesn't count. Uh, he's met Slash, but he is, I guess, hasn't worked with any member of, of GNR. Of course, we could still follow the same path of six degrees of Guns N' Roses to get to Desmond, but as far as direct connection, you know what? I don't even care. You have that opportunity to interview somebody of his caliber. Uh, you take it. Absolutely. So when we have a shorter interview that I do, I don't want to just give you a 10-minute interview, especially if it's not a very Guns N' Rosey kind of guest. So uh, we're going to do this just like we did uh, last time. Here's another edition of News. Press the goddamn wrong button. This is, let's say I have too many sound bites. Uh, Chris and Dustin, this is, I don't know if you guys have it in your <laughs> podcast. This is what the edition is. Fan. Obsession. Was it really worth it to play two shitty sound bites? Fan Obsession. <laughs> Absolutely worth it. <laughs> oh, God. So, if Fan Obsession, last time we, we spoke to uh, to David from the, the UK, and if you haven't checked on our social media, facebook.com slash uh, the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. He sent us a bunch of pictures fa- from the fan point of view. It was it was him and his friend that were at the 1987 uh, Donington show. Uh, and Whoa. yeah, I mean, Whoa. it's 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 fucking crazy. No, not was it was it Donington? Hold on. Let me look at my podcast. This is why it's good that you guys have. Uh, you're, you're with two people. When I used to have Ian, we would support each other, and he's like, he would correct me live on air because one of us would be talking, uh, the next person would be looking on on the Twitter. No, I'm sorry, not Donington. Newcastle. He went to Donington, but he sent us pictures, uh, October fourth, nineteen eighty seven, Newcastle City Hall, and a bunch Still. of just rare photos that may have have never been seen since. I don't know if they've never been put online. I appreciate David and David's friend for sending me these pics to share. You get to see Slash in the Beastie Boys shirt. You know, Axel with his red bandana that I don't know if he's that specific red red, red one he's uh, worn a lot before. Uh, so that's what ha- comes out of these fan obsession segments that we're going to do. And now it's it's not just a fan obsession. It's a We can call it a podcast obsession. I don't have another soundbite, thankfully, for for that one (laughs) but this is going to be a cool crossover I think Uh, I appreciate Chris and and Dustin from Guns and Radio podcast 
for inviting me on their show and willing to do my show at the same time. So it's kind of our our GNR version of uh, the Jetsons meet the Flintstones in a way. We we did it a couple times with GNR Central, but you guys nice. are. You guys are new. I'm going to be on episode 10. And so, yeah, well, I guess welcome to the AFD show. I appreciate you guys uh, following and reaching out and all that jazz. Thank you for having us. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. So it's Christian, or Chris, rather, and, and Dustin. How uh, Have you guys been friends? I don't, I don't, how do I want, It sounds like a, a bad first date. Have you guys been friends for a long time? Because <laughs> I'm curious of how, you know, if you guys have been friends or you found each other through... You found each other in a field, listening to Guns N' Roses, frolicking towards each other. Like, how how did this kind of friendship slash podcast come about? That's a really good story, actually. All right, we've we've never met in real life. Okay, never. all right, fair enough. There's one thing. Uh, I have been I've, I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a little while since uh, Vegas in uh, 2000 and uh, in 2012. And this is Dustin, and, just so everyone knows, right, Dustin? Yeah, I'm I'm Dustin. Or Dustin Bones, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, like the song. Love it. <laughs> and um, so I'd been kind of thinking about it. And then uh, GNR, and, and like I said, some of the other things I had done in the past wasn't very successful. And then GNR Central came out. And so I was like, okay, somebody's doing this. And then I found your show. And I was like, okay, that's covered too. And uh, just uh, years went by, and I never thought enough uh, thought about it again. And then I discovered a, a, a podcast called Pot of Thunder, and uh, they reviewed Kiss songs. And they would, and I really, uh, I really enjoyed that show. And I'd I'd been thinking for a long time it'd be really awesome to do the, that format with Guns and Roses. And uh, so I put out a uh, a uh, a message on uh, Discord, on a now defunct Discord uh, page. Oh, yes. I'm aware of that. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm aware of that. I, I nailed up a sign in the barn, let's put it that way, <laughs> <laughs> that I was uh, looking for a uh, uh, a co-host. And so Chris here answered, and we actually recorded the very first time we met. Cool. Uh, in case we ever wanted to release that or something. So there's, uh, uh, he answered, we met, uh, we talked about what we wanted to do and, uh, we just ironed it out. Cause I just came in with just kind of an idea. And then Chris came along and, uh, uh, he really helped to flesh it out a little bit better. Well, that's pretty cool. And so where are you, both of you, that's the beauty of radio and I guess the beauty of the internet. Dustin, where are you from? I am from Jefferson City, Missouri, by way of Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh, wow. Okay. What about you, Chris? Uh, hailing from the outskirts of uh, Toronto, Canada. Wow. We are yeah. two different ends of the spectrum. I love that. I love that. And there's also, because just talking off the air for a little bit, I know, Chris, you're... Uh, I'm guessing you're younger than Dustin. Again, I'm trying to yeah. get the, the the picture here. And <laughs> is it? I mean, come on, we're we're all bros here. I can I'm sure I can ask your age without offending anybody. Just so yeah. to paint the mental mental picture, Dustin, you're how old? Uh, well, uh, I tell the girls I'm 33. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Dustin, how old? Uh, wait, Chris, how old are you? 24. 
Oh, wow, you're a youngin'. I had no idea. Sorry. Very young. I'm, I'm an older right. brother. I have three younger brothers, so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I can't help but, but be that. So it's so hard to uh, to find somebody to have a rapport with, not just like in life, in a relationship. You know, what what, what did you guys first talk about? Because I know you said you first recorded, but did you start for, like first start talking about, you know, when you first saw the bands? Because you obviously are different... Uh, different timelines of, of becoming a fan of a GNR. So do you remember what you guys first spoke about in regards to Guns N' Roses? I was sick that day. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first recording, if we ever do release it, I was sick as... Can, can I curse? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, I was sick as shit. Oh. <laughs> and, um, Are you going to ask for the curse and you go with shit? All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite word. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was sicker than a motherfucker that day. There you go. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> and uh, I just did a spit take. I, I don't. I don't even remember. Uh, we we just we just we bullshitted mostly for a little while, and we talked about. Uh, do you remember, Chris? Uh, kind of. I think we're just going over like. Uh, just, you know, what brought us as GNR fans, um, like different experiences of shows like, oh, you, like, I've only seen GNR maybe like a handful of times. Right. I know you've seen him a lot more than I have. Well, I'm 14. I'm only at like four or five. So. Wow. I'm with you, uh, Chris. Now, I've only been to, I think six or seven and that's, mm. you know, that part, a lot of it has to do with just regular life. I just don't have the means to go to all these shows, but I do, I've done my best for sure since they've come back for me it was 2002 was the first opportunity that i had and i would have and i did spend as much money as i was allowed to spend to see them at madison square garden uh with buckethead so i like i'm never gonna see this again i had no idea it would be continuing until 2019 and with some bumps and bruises along the way but it's continued still uh, so then what is the first what was the first show for for each of you for me it was uh 2011 <clears throat> they did atlanta twice that year i believe and um i don't remember the exact date unfortunately but it was uh when they did that comeback tour where they took a uh, a few months off and then they came back and I guess it was still supposed to be part of the Chinese democracy tour where they were contractually obligated to do X number of shows. Okay. And, uh, I think it was at the Phillips arena, uh, in Atlanta. And then I got really hooked and went back the next, uh, week or so later to uh to kansas city that was the moment i became a super fan was being uh was seeing them in atlanta see that's interesting to me when people have become super fans during the era where it was i mean i i'm going to use like not my criticism per se but just the criticism of the outside world that it was axel and a bunch of hired guns, or it, it was it was not Axel and Slash. It was not the the familiar faces. Even Axel with his braids was not a familiar face to those who hadn't seen him in a long time. To become a super fan, then was it because of the the players? Did you become more of a fan of Chinese Democracy, or did you just did that just awaken something and you just ate up the whole history of it all? 
I I hadn't really given it much of a chance, to be honest with you. I'd always been kind of a casual fan. Like, I had all of the records on my iPod uh, or, or whatever it was at the time. Well, the way technology changes and shit, I remember it being an iPod, which it may have just been an MP3 player. Sure. <laughs> but... Um, I had all of the the records on my on my iPod, uh, except Chidem, and uh, except maybe Live Era, and uh, maybe a couple of songs off Lies, and uh, it 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 I, I didn't really give that version a chance because of what I'd always heard, and um, but then when I went and saw them live, I actually got talked into going uh, to see them live and uh by another friend of mine and when we we got there and everything it was it was just and it was just the best show i'd ever seen and i uh i was hooked after that that's great i mean it i think that's why axel why so many like it's it's so it would be so easy to to criticize and and, and there are still people who do but the, what he did during those quote unquote down years for guns and roses to not just be a legacy act and just play the songs with the guy who sang the songs, to create new music that did kind of get out there, and to keep getting new fans. And it yeah, now I almost didn't go because that is uh, right after you remember Rock and Rio 2011. Sure, that had happened, <laughs> and that was my first exposure to this version of the band live was seeing Rock and Rio 2011 and uh, a buddy of mine had taught me to watch and I had to work the next day and it didn't come on YouTube like we sat there watching reruns on YouTube and I was like I thought this shit was supposed to start at midnight like <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when they finally came on and and then like you know you get to without being too big of a dick like all of the shit that went down that night I was like what is this bullshit <laughs> and I get and, it. Uh, I, get I didn't it. even watch the whole thing. Like I'd had to go to bed because I had to work. So what I ended up, the way I ended up fucking myself on it was I ended up watching just the clips on YouTube that other people had highlighted. And of course they pick out the worst ones. Sure. And uh, I was thinking, man, I just spent <laughs> all this money to go see this. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go because I spent the money. And then when I went, it was nothing like that live. It was. Very tight, very good, and uh, everything was right on form except the opening act. I've never seen a de- I've seen two decent opening acts ever in the history of uh, of GNR. I remember after the opening act going, "Oh boy, who was the?" I, I don't I even remember who it was. All right, I'll have to look that up after the fact. Uh, what about your your co-host over there? What uh, what was your first show and your introduction? Oh, my first show was uh, it was yeah it was 06. They came to Toronto. I, yeah, they came to Toronto in 06. Um, it was really ironic because like around that time, like I started like taking guitar lessons, learning guitar, or whatever. And I remember um, going through my uncle's like CD collection because getting rid of some of his CDs, or whatever. And he had a bunch of stuff. There was like ACDC, uh, some Van Halen greatest hits. But I remember putting on Appetite for Destruction. He had a CD copy of that. And that just blew me away. I was like, this sounds, it's different than anything else. And it's going to be pretty hard to replicate that stuff. And to like, still to this day, like you haven't really heard anything similar to like a GNR. You hear all these other bands, like 
like Airborne's now basically a, a ripoff copycat of ACDC. There's so all these other things like that. But I think to me, what stood out with GNR and why I'm still like a huge super fan today is because they're unique in their sound and nothing's really similar to it. Like no one can back to saying like, you know, like no one can really replicate that sound. It's very unique and stands out in its own way. And ironically, when I first discovered GNR, they were like in town months after that. So I had to go. Yeah, man. And I, I am very proud that I know Toronto's not right next door to Ottawa, but I did, 06, I did catch that show in Ottawa with fellow Canadian Sebastian Bach and the Suicide Girls, and that was a great little tour. And that was, that was when I met, met Bumblefoot side stage, his first uh, tour with the band, and nobody recognized him. He came out in, in his full uh, Russian winter coat and Russian hat when he was rocking that look. And talk, and I think I may have mentioned this story in the first few episodes of the podcast, but uh, yeah, he started talking to a security guard, and the security guard says to him out loud, So, anybody recognize you tonight? He goes, Nope. And I go, Bumblefoot, I'm the only one. And people were like looking at me like I'm crazy. Why are you talking to this Russian guy, you know, asking him to sign uh, your, your ticket and take your picture? And then once uh, everyone realized that that person was in the band, <laughs> it, it opened up the uh, the floodgates. So, other than just going to shows, uh, do any of you had like a cool experience or encounter or a special memory that sticks out to you uh, as being a Guns N' Roses fan? I got a couple. Chris has a good one, I believe. He's told before. I was going to say yours are definitely better than mine. Okay. I don't know, man, because you got to be in one of the infamous shows. Which one is that? Uh, There's a lot of infamous shows. Nothing like too infamous. I remember I was there in 2016 when they almost they almost didn't make it because I'm not a gun on the bus. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, because I remember there was a whole story like after that. And that was like before Axel they did uh, out to get me, and he's like, oh yeah, we almost didn't make it because uh, we got stopped at the border because someone had a gun. Great. <laughs> so that was interesting. I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> As far as show-wise, I never, uh, I haven't seen a riot or a show get uh, cut off because of people throwing shit or anything like that. But uh, uh, I've met everybody in the old lineup. When I say it's weird saying the old lineup now, the yeah. uh, the the new GNR lineup, the 2011 lineup, I should say, um, multiple times. Uh, to the point that uh, I was really disappointed when they were gone just because, like, at that point, I, you know, you kind of felt like, especially Bumblefoot does a good job of making you feel like uh, like uh, he's your friend. Sure. And, uh, which he had done a lot for me. He'd sent me tickets and shit, and he'd uh, uh, got me backstage a couple of times and that kind of shit. He was, uh, he was the nicest guy in the world, I think. Um, but probably one of the best stories I've got is about, uh, uh, DJ Ashba. Um, we went to see him in Chicago or we went to see Guns N' Roses in Chicago when they were playing the house of blues, uh, that night that they had the pay-per-view and everything, uh, on the, uh, once in a lifetime, not yeah. Once in a lifetime, uh, up close and personal tour there. And, uh, I had f- figured out uh, 
I hadn't met anybody yet at this point. This was the first time I ever met the band, uh, everybody except Axel. And I'd figured out where they were staying because uh, Chicago is a very long drive from Mississippi, and I was the passenger. So I had plenty of time to, to figure this out. And so I figured out where I thought they were staying, and uh, we decided to drive by and check it out the next day to see if we might could meet the band. Because uh, at the time, it hadn't occurred to me that meeting them at the hotel was kind of a dick move. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I would never do that today. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I've never done that. Yeah, it's kind of a dick move. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think if you if you're mature enough to understand uh, boundaries, I guess. I mean, if you're a, a teeny bopper, I guess you, you know it's to be expected. But if you're a grown man waiting outside a hotel, there's there are problems. Well, well, I think a lot of it. We 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 never went in with the intent of stalking anybody. I think a lot of us stopping by uh, in the first place because all we were ever going to do is drive by just to see if I was right. Uh, by that point, I'd gotten curious. So we go and uh, we, uh, we we're driving by, but it was Chicago, so you can't just drive by and park your car like you do in a decent town. So okay. we had to go and uh, we had to go and park the car somewhere and then walk by. And when we came around the corner, there sat that big red tour bus. And so it was like, oh, shit, this is the place. So I was like, hell yeah, I was right. And that was supposed to have been the end of it. And then I noticed over by uh, the side door, there stood DJ Ashba. And he had his uh, suitcase and everything and uh, uh, had his stitched together top hat and everything Sorry. and was uh, leaned up against the wall smoking a cigarette. So then all of my friends that were with me were kind of freaking out. <laughs> And I uh, was like, dude, what are we going to do? You know, and they just kind of froze. And okay. I was like, let's go talk to him. No, we can't just go talk to him. Oh, why not? He's just some dude. Like, we can go talk to him. As long as we're not acting like idiots, we can just go talk to him. It'll be cool. And so they were like adamant that we would not go talk to him. So I was like, okay, here's what we, we're going to do. You guys stay here and figure it out. I'm going to go talk to DJ. And uh, so I just like, I literally just had my hands in my pockets, just casually strolled up on him. And I said, uh, hey, DJ. And then he looked up and was like, hey, man, how's it going? And then we just like, like, I didn't mark out or freak out or anything. I just kind of walked up casually when, you know, just started speaking. I was like, I'm a big fan of your work. I like what you do. He was like, thanks, man. And at the time, uh, he had uh, recorded some uh, some solo songs like uh, uh, Love Always Lets You Down is uh, the only one I can think of off the top of my head that were never released but leaked out on the internet. And uh, I think he was starting a solo band that was just going to be called Ashba. And uh, I didn't think I'd ever meet him again. I didn't know how this was going to go. And I couldn't find any information on these songs that I had anywhere on the internet. And so I was like, can I just ask you a question, man, since I'll probably never get this chance again? He was like, yeah, man, shoot. So I named off a couple of the songs and I asked who was the singer on those tracks. And and then his eyes kind of got really wide and he kind of like set his head back like he was stunned by the question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like he was not expecting that and uh he just he told me uh the answer he, uh, was basically it was it was him on a couple of the tracks but he had hired a guy to to come in and sing okay. some of the others and i was like okay that's cool well uh my friends finally came around the corner 
about the time the rest of the band was coming out because the Hummers were coming to pick them up, uh, but they hadn't got there yet. They were waiting on their rides to get there. So uh, uh, Bumblefoot got to talking to us, Chris Pittman, uh, Frank, and uh, Richard Fortas was there. And they let us take pictures with them and stuff like that. And then we were all just kind of like hanging out and talking like we were friends or something. Like it was nobody was freaking out or anything like that. It was just a real, after we, you know, we took a couple of pictures and after that, everybody was just real cool. And we were, you know, we weren't imposing or anything. No, there's a way and to go about it. Sure. Uh, you said the right thing is just, you say, I like your work. You're not going to yeah. go over there and be like, you got a pretty mouth. You're going to say, sing for me. <laughs> Especially, you know, and you said he's outside with the, uh, the stitched up uh, top hat, the nightmare before Christmas hat. If he didn't yeah. want to be recognized, I mean, come on. He would have been in the baseball cap. He would have hid. You don't go out yeah. in a stitched up top hat and, and act surprised or annoyed when somebody approaches you. You know. Well, he wasn't wearing it. He just had it on top of his suitcase. Oh, oh okay. All right. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. it was out on display, whatever. I'll, I'll stick yeah. to my point. Fair enough. But, <laughs> uh, just, just to be fair. But uh, security shows up, right? And uh, they they tell uh, they tell us that we have to leave, and uh, DJ intervenes and is like, they don't have to go anywhere. They're nice. they're here talking to us. And he says if they're not guests of the hotel, then they they can't be here. And so DJ looked at the guy like pissed off, and he was like, they're our guests. And he goes, they cannot stay. Like he just laid it down. DJ and DJ looked at him and was like, okay, fuck it, come on guys, we'll go with you guys. So then we all went across the street. <laughs> Like, all we did was walk across the road, and we're just hanging out on the sidewalk, and we're just sitting there chilling and everything. Well, that was really nice of him to do, and, man, that's fucking security. Yeah. Jesus. And the Hummers the Hummers eventually came and picked them up and uh, took them uh, wherever they were going. But a couple of years later, they were doing the uh, Appetite for Democracy thing in Vegas. And uh, what was cool about the residency is you'd see everybody just kind of walking around the casino. And uh, they had this place in the middle of the Hard Rock called Center Bar. And I was hanging out up there, and a DJ came by, and uh, he was wearing, like, a really nice suit and stuff. And so I just spoke to him and everything. I was like, you probably don't remember me. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're the guy from the hotel in Chicago. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> that was me. Nice. And then he bought me a, he bought me a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> and, uh, oh, beautiful. Nice. So we, uh, we just kind of was just chatting and uh, catching up and stuff. And then these girls came up and wanted pictures and stuff. So he was like, get in the picture, man. And I was like, they don't want a picture of me. He's like, get in the picture anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got on my Facebook the same picture from like three different angles that people eventually tagged me in. Okay. And, you see DJ in his nice suit, and then you see me hung over, just wanting to grab a drink before I go back to my room and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I really, I've never heard a bad story about anybody meeting Bumblefoot or DJ. Yeah, that's that's why I, I love and embrace that era of GNR. He got not just people who can play, but just good guys, good guys to be in the band. Yeah, and they were a little more accessible than a Slash or a Duff McKagan. So if you were a fan, it, it felt like you had somebody you could talk to and interact with a little better. Yeah, but I, I bet Slash and Duff were probably like that when they first started out. And that's not a slight to them. It's just they're in a different level and stratosphere. And there are so many oh. people people who, who would take advantage of them. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 like, I get it. Too. I absolutely get it. And uh, 
you know, I'm sure, I don't know, Bumble or DJ signed up for GNR expecting to be in it for the rest of, the, of their lives, but they were like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm a Guns N' Roses. I'm going to enjoy all, all the perks. People just coming up to me and saying hello. And uh, which Who is, wouldn't take that gig? Uh, I, well, I guess there were people who didn't take it, right? I, uh, I, I, like Zach Wild didn't work out. I don't know if he... Uh, well, he's Zach Wild. That's true. Uh, I think there were other people who I th- I, I forget because Dave Navarro I think I think was offered or something or he was auditioned. Yeah, there. Okay, who who not already famous is going to turn down? That fair game? enough. All right, fair that's enough. true. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so do you've been through well soon to be ten episodes because we're going to record we're going to do my version of of the crossover uh, first and then we're going to do uh, your version of the Family Guy meets the Simpsons uh, coming up after. Uh, but yeah, we gotta we gotta come up with a really good cliffhanger ending right at, uh, uh, at the last <laughs> second. <laughs> You're doing this podcast where, and I'll be honest, I'm like when I first started, I'm like another Guns N' Roses podcast. It's not like I have a corner on, on the market, but I'm like, oh god damn it! But uh, then I started, it's completely different, and that may be. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is something that I'm really never gonna do. Uh, and I say, god damn it, in not a bad way. I say it in like <laughs> it's like because it, it, like again, it's hard. And especially if you're going all after the same guest, it can be difficult. Uh, but competition is always good to up your game. But this is it's just completely different where it's a song by song. And maybe you do albums later on or whatever. It's your show. I'm not your you – know, I don't want to tell you what to do. Uh, so we'll figure that out. we got like two uh, years to co- figure that out. Of course. <laughs> and it goes by quick, so that's my point. I, you know, I try to think back yeah. to I can't believe episode 10 was probably when we had our first – uh, really big guest, and it's no slight. Oh, maybe Anthony Boza, like first three or four episodes, the uh, the author. But in episode ten, we had Charlie Benanti from Anthrax on. So with with and now just being up to one hundred fifty something, my brain is just mush. If you couldn't tell, trying to remember who's told me what or when. That's why I really would love a fucking producer to keep all these things logged. But anyway, for <laughs> what you guys could remember of the first nine episodes, uh, just. Share some of the songs that you've gone, you've you've dissected, and maybe like a a favorite. Do you have like a favorite episode that you've done so far? Um, Heaven's Door was probably my personal favorite. Yeah, that was a really good one. I think. Um, my brain's already mush after ten episodes. I was <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Have either of you? I guess a. What is your your favorite Guns N' Roses song? Just to ask a. Uh, a cliche generic question and you have you done an episode on it yet oh that's a hard one i'm really looking forward to there was a time okay yeah mine we covered it in the first episode i'd go with welcome to the jungle okay yeah you, you, I, I, that's really a song that still comes on the radio and i still crank it i can't oh, say that oh, yeah. about i can't say that about live and let die uh, I'm talking about just songs that are just overplayed on the radio. Uh, Live and Let mm-hmm. Die overplayed. Not Gonna Have It's Door overplayed. Mm-hmm. I will, I might check to see what else, I mean, when I actually do listen to the radio. Or when it comes up on my, let's say this, when it comes up on my playlist, I may skip <clears> those. <throat> Paradise City sometimes, if I'm in the mood, but Welcome to the Jungle always. And there was a time, might be probably my favorite track off uh, Chinese Democracy. It just makes me, oh, yeah. as much as I'm, so, as, as happy as I am to, to see Axel and Slash, mom and dad back together again it's like shit man buckethead and axel were so good they should have just done yeah. more or we should have gotten more so uh 
but yeah, man. So uh, that's pre- that's pretty great. Do either of you have a favorite? Uh, and I, I'm going to ask this for all my fan obsession you know, guests. Do you have a favorite piece of Guns N' Roses memorabilia or T-shirt or anything GNR that you own that's uh, special to you? Uh, I have a box full of uh, random things that may not necessarily be valuable but mean the world to me. Um, it's basically like my my treasure chest, as my ex-wife would call it. Okay. And... <laughs> Uh, like what's in there? Bumblefoot. Okay, yeah. I think the th- a bumblefoot like ketchup packet you left over. What's what's in there? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. The the, the 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 only thing like that I've got is uh, a cigarette that DJ Ashba okay. tossed me. All right. Because uh, I was sitting, I'm a smoker too, and I was sitting there fiending because we'd been there all day, and then he tossed. Uh, I was like, DJ, let me get that cigarette, and he tossed it to me. I caught it and took a big old drag off of it and put it out and. <laughs> And uh, kept the butt. Um, okay. But uh, it's mostly things like when they did the residency in Vegas, I did uh, 12, let's see, what's this, 19? Surely Statue of Limitations has passed by now. I've, uh, I kind of went to every restaurant at the Hard Rock and stole the menus off the table. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, the badges that the, that the um, staff would wear, I uh, stole those, a few of those. And... Um, they, uh, there was somebody that was in charge there that had some posters that uh, were like prototypes before they decided on the uh, redoing the appetite cover there for the poster for the residency. They made up some prototypes that uh, they chose not to use uh, for anything, but they had like a few of these. Uh, drawn up and made and uh so she gave me some of those uh that's probably the rarest thing i've got um nice but my personal favorite the one that means the most to me is uh uh bumblefoot i guess he got my info off of uh, night train because i used to be a member of that and uh after we met uh at the uh hotel and everything and uh we'd met a couple of times by this point he sent me a cd of abnormal and he wrote dustin thanks for being there uh and he autographed it that's cool very cool what about you uh chris what do you got anything uh, uh-huh. special to you uh, i got two kind of like special person uh, pieces of merch sorry <laughs> uh i have like this cool uh, uh denim sort of like jean jacket i found actually at h&m Really cool GNR denim jacket. I keep adding new patches to it here and there. Right on. Uh, yeah. I and just then, found uh, uh, not the second you, piece, yeah. Before I forget, I just found a, uh, I guess it's a Guns N' Roses patch, but when I went to, to Austin, there was this really awesome, like, costume store. It was just... It's like if a costume store and Hot Topic had sex. It was just like it was like a crazy <laughs> store. And there Sounds was a, 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 a... What looks like just the Duff skull from the appetite logo as a patch so i got to sew that on to my uh my lies my, my lies hoodie anyway continue nice. sorry yeah <laughs> so like the second one i have is pretty like sort of money i guess you know like sentimental to me that's what the word i was looking for uh like my girlfriend got me this uh thing so it's uh the uh the tabs of sweet child of mine but it's like framed in this like black sort of like a frame whatever so it's pretty cool i don't know if it's official gnr merch but it's still pretty cool to have I have the tab for sweet child of mine just there chilling okay i like it man and it doesn't have to be official that's why this uh lies hoodie that i'm currently wearing 
I bought the back patch for the cover of Lies so many years ago. My grandma sewed it on for me. And this is just a regular black hoodie, so it's certainly uh, not official or anything like that. So anything that means us something special to you. And I guarantee you nobody would have a uh, DJ uh, Ashba ketchup packet. I mean, cigarette. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's pretty great. So that's, that's cool, man. I just wanted to, now that I get to know you both a little bit, and hopefully uh, the listeners did as well as you continue to gain each and every episode and i wish you the the best of luck and i'm sure we'll you know i'll have you guys on again in the future um just continue success i'm glad to see more people getting their guns and roses uh, outlet out there because this band uh even though we love them doesn't give us very much uh as far as anything that's not a toy truck it's <laughs> or a Louisville Slugger. Yeah, it's not even a full size. That's what the hell's with that? Uh, but, but I really what, want that Louisville Slugger. <laughs> but they give them away free at like Yankee games. It's like, oh my god. But whatever. I was just saying, as far as there are bands who do their own podcasts. You know, there. Like, if you just think, if you're like a fan of like Hatebreed or Andrew WK or any of these. You know, you have the the direct. Even Robert Plant has a podcast. You know, these direct connections that are are, are pretty cool. But uh, what what's great about the Guns N' Roses fans is I think that we're really creative. And now in this uh, digital, this world that we live in with podcasting, now you're breaking down the songs. I do my stupid little thing. So uh, it's cool. Just more places for Guns N' Roses fans to meet. Like you never would have thought you two, you guys wouldn't have met. And I, well, I guess you guys still have yet to meet. Uh, hopefully, hopefully one <laughs> yeah. of these days. But uh, just keep it up, guys. And I appreciate both of you uh, uh, coming on uh, the Guns and Radio podcast, right? Yep. Yes. And, Thank uh, you for having us. Thank you, man. So that does it for episode 154 of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks for hanging out, whether it be via the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if you found us through AlternativeNation.net. And, of course, if you follow us on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show. Thankfully, if you haven't noticed, if you've been following, I get some access to some awesome Getty images that I am legally allowed to share with you. <laughs> you never know in today's world. But I, I have access to these photos, and uh, it's a good time on social media, a good chance for us to chat in between these episodes. So what is to come for the next one? When will you hear it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.